And from there he rose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Lord, uh, we just thank you this morning that you give us a time to come and to worship as a, as a church, as your body together, Lord. Uh, your church all around the world uh, has gathered together to worship you in body, spirit, and mind. Lord, we ask that through this passage, you would reveal to us uh, your goodness, your holiness, and who you are, and who we are in you, and that our hearts will be convicted. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, you may have all have heard of this uh, story before. Uh, I'm not going to do a traditional uh, three-point sermon. I'm going to give a more of a, a narrative. It's more of a, a dramatic, creative uh, interpretation of this story. And hopefully it'll be something new that, uh, in a way, you haven't heard before. And I pray that uh, the Spirit really does convict us uh, today in how much God loves us and how much he wants to be here for us. So last week, uh, we were urged by Sam to pray more, that we need to pray more, and we need to overcome our fears to experience God's power. And today, I want to challenge us, and I want to share with us uh, that Jesus He challenges our reality of who he is, who Christ is, and who we are, so that we can pray fearlessly. So I want to tell you about this woman, this Syrophoenician woman. She was born and raised in a coastal area by the Mediterranean Sea. She's a Syrophoenician, a Gentile by birth, and she has a crisis on her hands. You see, her daughter was possessed by a demon that was terrorizing her, and none could cast it out. Everything that she thought she knew about the world was crumbling apart. She sought out numerous doctors, and she being a pagan, she visited countless pagan priests. She even sacrificed again and again to Eshman, their god of healing, but nothing worked. Her daughter was still in pain, still harassed by this demon. Then one day, she overheard her neighbors talking about uh, a man, saying that there was a man named Jesus from Nazareth in town. She heard of him. She heard of all the amazing things that he was doing down in the Jewish region called Galilee. Months prior, there was a, a huge buzz about this man that even people from her area were going down to visit him, to see him. Some, were, some walked more than seven and a half hours just to go see him, 
to see him perform miracles, and to hear his powerful new teachings that even challenged the highbrow Pharisees. There was even a story of him feeding 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. But what interested her the most was that he was even casting out demons. There's a particular story that she heard that went all throughout her region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus was once in an area called the Gerasenes, which is on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And he encountered a man there also possessed by a demon. But not just one demon, but an entire legion. That's equal to 5,000 men in a Roman army. And this man, he was shackled and he was chained up in the tombs because nobody could subdue him. And yet he would still break free of these chains. And yet, when Jesus saw him, he approached him like he would any other person, even though this man was behaving wild and erratic. Some people say that this man was speaking gibberish, but Jesus was speaking to him. And with an utterance of, with just an utterance, the entire legion of demons in his body came out of him. And suddenly, a herd of pigs nearby, it went crazy, and they all jumped off the cliff. The people who witnessed this, they were so afraid that they asked Jesus to immediately leave their area. But the man who was possessed, he was now free of all these demons. And he was in his right mind for the first time in years. He wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus told him, no, go be with your family. He was so excited, he could not contain his joy, that he went all throughout Decapolis, joyfully spreading how wonderful Jesus is and all the amazing things that he is doing. Now, when this woman first heard this story, she was a little more than skeptical. She thought to herself, how can a man be so powerful as to drive out an entire legion, not just one, but an entire legion of demons without even making any sacrifice? Is he more powerful than our God? Now, she was in the same desperate position, her only daughter being possessed, and yet Jesus was here. Certainly, he should be able to cast out one demon. She had no other choice, and so she was willing to even reach out to a man she didn't know. So she ran as fast as she could while leaving her daughter at home. She searched all around Tyre and Sidon, asking the locals if, they, if they've seen this Jew named Jesus. After a long search, Finally, someone pointed her to an inconspicuous house. And no wonder she couldn't find him. He was trying to blend in and not be found. But when she found him, she burst into the room and she fell at Jesus' feet. She wanted to be heard. She was desperate to be heard. And she would not leave until she got his audience. In Matthew's version of the story, she cries out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. 
Mark says she kept asking him over and over again for him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus just sat there. He didn't even glance over. He didn't utter a word. He just sat there. Pretty quickly, the disciples were getting really irritated with her. She was disturbing the retreat. They'd been doing all sorts of ministries. They were tired and hungry. They walked an entire day's walk from Galilee, you know, their familiar home ground, to this heathen, unrespectable, and unclean Gentile area. They left their amazing food and fruit of, the, of Gennesaret to this rocky coastal city where they probably couldn't even eat anything because it didn't fit into their religious dietary laws. And if the Pharisees made such a fuss over the disciples eating without wa- ritually washing their hands, imagine the uproar that they would cause if they saw this. Jesus, presumably a respectable teacher, associating with the likes of a Gentile, heathen, pagan woman. The Pharisees would have a field day with this, and it would give them another reason to discredit Jesus. But then again, Jesus doesn't care about these kinds of distinctions. And the woman didn't care either. She just drew closer. She was on her hands and knees, her head touching the ground, and crawling over to Jesus begging repeatedly, please help me, cast the demon out of my daughter. After some time, Jesus finally answers her. And you know what? If his response startles us, it even started the disciples. For he says, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The disciples just looked at each other with eyes wide, and they were asking themselves, did he he really just say that? Some of the disciples, they were actually snickering under their breath, thinking, good, she'll finally leave us alone and get out of here. Now, if that takes us aback, it definitely caught the woman off guard. I don't think there's at any time in history where being referred to as a dog is a compliment. Now, she came to find healing. She came to find a solution for her daughter. But she received a response that was unlike any other. And she was trembling now because there's mixed emotions She was exhausted physically and mentally and emotionally for caring over her daughter. She was fatigued for searching for Jesus all day. And now there's a sinking feeling at the pit of her stomach. And she was thinking, I came so far. I've gone so out of my way for my daughter. Will my search for a cure end here? Is this what I've come for? to be humiliated at the, at the hands of this man. And when that sick feeling in her stomach was turning to anger and bitterness and disappointment, something else came over her, an awakening. 
if all that's been said about this man is true, that he heals a shriveled hand, he casts out demons, and the demons shut up at his command, who is this man? What power and authority does he possess that he controls the raging seas? What kindness and grace does he have to fill the bellies of thousands? Is he something more than a man? Then something clicked in her heart. Whatever expectation she had prior to coming was being broken down. She thought to herself, yes, the Jews consider me a dog. And in my current state, what am I worth compared to his disciples? I'm just an outsider looking for a way in. But if he truly is kind and merciful, if I could get a taste of his divine favor for the sake of my daughter. And so she replies, yes, Lord. She says, yes, Lord. I am unworthy to come to you right now. Yes, Lord, I don't deserve your mercy, but I seek it. And I'd be grateful just for the taste of the crumbs that fall off your table for the sake of my child. Far be it from you to deny the pleading of your creation. You have so much at your banquet table, it overflows. If you can split five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 of your children with 12 baskets left over, May I just get a crumb of that portion? You see, she understood she was in no position to make any demands, only to request with a fervent and sincere heart. Now, I can't stand here and tell you I know for sure what Jesus was thinking in that moment, but I think he was conflicted. He was conflicted in his heart. Because of course he wanted to help this woman. Why wouldn't he want to help? When the Israelites were in the desert and they wailed to God because they wanted to eat meat, he came to Moses and he said to him, consecrate yourselves and prepare in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord has heard you wailing. God said tomorrow, not next week, not next month, but tomorrow. And he fed them abundantly. And he desires to do the same now. But it was not yet time for her, nor the Gentiles, until God's people, Israel, knew their purpose. Besides, he didn't go to Tyre to do any ministry. He was truly retreating away from the chaos he's been facing. But here was this woman who could not stop herself in her persistence. And something else other than her motherliness triggered her to understand his position. She didn't merely acknowledge what he said. He conceded to it. She moved him deeply, though, and her request could no longer be denied, so much so that he would exercise mercy despite her interruption of God's timing and plan. In the end, she finds her request totally worth it because with just an utterance, for this statement you may go your way, 
the demon has left your daughter. She goes home to find her daughter fully well, lying in bed, and the demon gone. She approached God as an unworthy person, but she was found worthy because she approached him in a worthy manner that moved him to grace and mercy. Many of us have been there. If you haven't, it's not a matter of if, but when. It's a part of life that we will experience these types of days or seasons. And when these days come, it matters how we respond to them. I was once in a similar, similar situation of desperation. It was at my time at the coffee shop. I had done my best to keep the shop going. But despite my best efforts, I was nearly forced to close the shop early because of a foolish decision. And it was at that moment when I had done everything that I could that I approached Jesus to ask for his help and that I would give my life fully and completely over to him. Things ended up working okay for the coffee shop, but in that moment, my relationship with Christ changed forever. This woman, she was forced to wait. And only upon deep pleading did she receive what was first denied. We, on the other hand, are in a much more privileged state. Because of Jesus' eventual sacrifice, we no longer have to wait. He has made a way for us by tearing the curtain that separated us from him. He allows us to draw near to him now. We are already in God's family. And those who are in the family are counted as children and co-heirs with Christ. But we ought to be careful not to repeat the mistake of Jesus' disciples and consider ourselves too privileged. For God's the one who chooses and sustains us. Although the disciples were near him physically, they walked with him. They heard him teaching. They witnessed all of his awesome deeds, and yet they were growing spiritually further and further away. Meanwhile, this woman, who was physically and spiritually worlds apart, she drew near with urgency, and she exercised humility and spiritually tasted God's goodness. To us who've experienced and tasted his goodness, Jesus is no longer our last hope. He is our one and only hope. Now God can prune off whom he has chosen and graft in a whole new branch. Therefore, we ought to fiercely desire to, de to remain on that branch. We as newly grafted branches, we ought to beseech him who has the power to forgive sins and restore peace into a chaotic world. The privilege we have as creatures made in his image is that we are given a rationale and logic and language to communicate with God. He's also given us the will to desire to worship him instead of idols. Now, last week, we were urged and challenged to pray more and overcome our fears to experience God's power. Now, I share with you 
that Jesus challenges our reality of who we are before and after Christ so that we may know that he is a source of power. Before Christ, we are unworthy of his treasures. Our state being as lamentable as dogs. But after Christ, we become worthy when we approach him in humility. We are received with open arms of God the Father. Christ is on the watch for desperate and hungry seekers. And he changes our worldview to one where we cannot live without him. But we mustn't get complacent because just because we call ourselves Christians, the dis- distinguishing mark of a disciple yearns to draw near him because we were also once in a lowly state, now raised as sons and daughters. This is the good news, that we need not fear approaching the throne room because Christ has already drunk the cup of wrath that was meant for us. Instead, we can with confidence and boldness draw near to him that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. And contrary to the disciples, we must not despise those who are not of our church family, but seek to extend the same good news that applies to others, that they may find Jesus and that he offers a never-failing hope. Now, this was a, a very short and simple sermon, uh, but I hope in that narrative you find uh, that God is a good God who desires to extend his grace and mercy to those who seek it. But we have to come in a manner where we understand and before the Christ, before the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, we are not worthy. It is only he who makes us worthy because of what Christ has done. And when we approach him in that manner, we receive the blessings that he intends for us. And that blessing is not meant for only us, but through us, that our neighbors would receive it as well. So let's just take a moment to pray and to thank God that we can approach him, that the cross is no longer a source of shame, but a source of power, that it's a source of freedom. And now that it is not power within us that sustains us, but it is his power alone that sustains us.